two big stories that we need to get to. And I know I'm sorry that I've disappeared for way too long. I know it's been a while since we did our last show, and I apologize for going off grid. Many of you reached out asking, where are you? Everything okay? So, yes, everything is fine. It's been a little bit busy. Great to be back. Corrupt Hunter Biden will not serve a single solitary day in prison. After five long years of investigations, after we were told that the Hunter laptop is Russian disinformation. Oh, but by the way, maybe it's not. Maybe we reconsider. Well, Hunter Biden, no trial, no time in jail, no surprise there. Yet Trump, of course, is under indictment on bogus charges. And But, but the system is not rigged. It's not a two-tiered justice system. By the way, it's not. Two-tier justice system. That's what everybody's saying. It's worse than that. That actually minimizes what this is really. But we'll get to that. Plus, another bombshell. A text message has now surfaced from 2017 sent by the aforementioned Hunter Biden to a Chinese energy executive. And why is this such a big story? Because it places Hunter and Joe Biden together demanding money, demanding that this Chinese businessman pay up okay that includes the big guy now that means we'll get to the details it means that joe biden was lying when he claimed repeatedly that he had no knowledge of hunter biden's business dealings. so this is another bombshell that we will get to and another big story the recording of trump that was leaked to the media where trump is supposedly bragging about these classified documents that he never bothered to declassify well, it turns out that's just a big fraud. Again, something that we predicted. Trump is supposedly admitting in this recording that he did not declassify documents about a potential attack against Iran. The problem is that recording is not even being used in the charges against Trump. It's not even being used as evidence. Well, it's being used as evidence in the trial, but it's not relevant to the to the charges. And the proof is because the document that supposedly Trump was bragging about and talking to people about and showing people illegally, that document was never even discovered. They don't have that. that Trump never had possession of that document that, that supposedly he's sitting there holding in the recording, showing off to people. So this recording was designed specifically for, for theatrical purposes, which is what we suspected. It was leaked by the DOJ to the media, to CNN and other media outlets to portray Trump as guilty because this is the most incriminating thing they've got. By the way, this is all they've got. They're in trouble, but it proves nothing as we're going to explain. That recording is essentially a fraud. All right, like I said, I appreciate everybody. A lot of you left me messages asking me where I am, why I dropped off grid. And look, it's been like a busy few days. And we will try to hopefully resume our regular schedule. We're hoping for two episodes a week, like we've been doing for quite a while. At least that's the plan. Let's hope. All right. Meanwhile, let's get through this episode. How about before we talk about the next one uh, to start making grand, start making grandiose plans about two times a week, the Pentagon. So we're going to get to all of that, but so much more to get to. Let me run through a few quicker stories and then we get to Hunter and then we get to the Trump recording. The Pentagon has made yet another accounting blunder, a bookkeeping error. And once again, Ukraine comes out on top. You cannot make us taxpayers. We owe Ukraine. Oh, Ukraine. How do we owe Ukraine anything? It's unbelievable. I want some of those. I want some of that money. We're sending them another six billion that we didn't even think we owe them. Can I have like one hundredth of that? Can I have one thousandth of that six billion? So U.S. taxpayers owe Ukraine an additional six billion dollars in weapons and supplies even though Congress is refusing to send them more money, rightfully so. What amazing luck. This is what uh, Ukraine is just so incredibly lucky. If, if, if my accountant makes a mistake, like a $12 error in my favor, and I get like a $12 extra tax refund, like that's an exciting, that's a thrill, right? But like Ukraine, hey, look, 
We, we miscalculated. It's $6 billion that we still owe them. It's bogus. It's a trick. It's a scam. They want to send more weapons, more funding to Ukraine. I, don't ask me why. I have no idea why, except obviously somebody in the military is, you know, lining their pockets and getting rich off of this. But they just want to do it without congressional approval. The Pentagon overestimated the value of the weapons that have been sent to Ukraine. They thought they sent $40 billion to Ukraine in the last two years in weapons. There's a lot of other funding that's been sent, non-defense money. But it turns out it was $6 billion less than they thought, so $34 billion instead of $40 billion. So that results in a surplus that's going to be used for future security funding packages sent by the military to Ukraine. Here's why, okay? I want to explain why this is it's bogus because they're just making it up. They could just decide whatever they want because they're going by the, the book value that they arbitrarily decide. There needs to be some kind of standard about this. It's not like, well, we thought it was this cost, but it's really that cost. Like somebody's like deciding it like in some back room somewhere. But they used, I want to explain this, they used replacement costs rather than the book value of the equipment that they sent to Ukraine. Okay, so in other words, the cost that it takes to replace, if they send a tank or they send other weaponry to Ukraine, right, the cost to replace that, they're going to have to buy something new. Whereas that right now what they're sending is something that's been sitting around. It doesn't mean it's ever been used. It's like a car that's last year's car, a three-years-old car that's never been used, a tank or whatever weaponry is sitting that, the, you know, in, in what whatever collection they have that they decide to send to Ukraine. So they're saying, well, the book value on the old one that we're sending to Ukraine, again, doesn't mean it's a used one, but on the one that was built five years ago is because that's what they do, right? They build these weapons, and then they don't always use them, obviously, because they need to have them in reserves. So we're going to send that to Ukraine. And, well, we're not going to use the replacement cost. We're going to use the book value of the equipment as is. Number one, I don't believe any of this. Who knows? They're making up the, the numbers as they go along. But number two, of course, we should use the replacement cost. It's correct to use the replacement cost. And here's why. Because let's say we send them an old tank. I'm just throwing out numbers over here. We send them an older tank that's worth half a million dollars. And let's say it costs a million dollars to replace it. So what do we count that? We count that as we're sending half a million to Ukraine or we're sending a million to Ukraine. Of course you use the replacement cost because, like, that's any storekeeper. When, you know, when a storekeeper figures out they want to sell an item, not any time, but very often, they'll figure out, oh, well, how much is it going to cost me when I need to order a new? Well, I bought this hammer three years ago, so it was less than. All right, but it's the same hammer that's going to cost twice as much now to replace. You've got to charge that because you've got to run a business, right? Well, the taxpayers are, are sending the tank to Ukraine to me, it's a no-brainer that we go by replacement cost because I don't care how much you could sell this. We're not, like, selling the tank to, like, you know, some used car dealership. Like, we're sending it, and now we have to replace that tank with another tank. So, of course, replacement cost is what we should go by, even if you believe any of this, which I don't. Now, all right, uh, in other news, CNN uh, has published an extremely misleading story. Uh, this is interesting. I, I just want to show you how egregious— CNN's reporting is, as though that's surprising at this point. But it, listen to this story. This is about black fathers or lack thereof, African-American fathers who are basically absentee fathers who are not there raising their children, are not living in the household with their children and raising their children. And what's interesting is CNN, it, like this story is like it reeks with dishonesty and disingenuousness. And they published this right after Father's Day. And the, the purpose of this story, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes on this, is to debunk the notion that most black children have absentee fathers, that most black children, their fathers do not live with them in the same household. And CNN, they used, and that's what the data says. And I'll read you the data. So the data is very clear on this. CNN, what they did was they twisted the data around 
left out the data that contradicts their point and then twisted the data that they did actually quote in order to try to say, oh, these 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 black fathers, they get a bad rap because for some reason there's this notion out there that black fathers are not there raising their children. And that's not true. But in fact, it is true. And CNN was reporting fake news. It's very basic, by the way. The numbers are basic. The vast majority of black children do not are not raised by their fathers. Their fathers are not living in the home. That's undeniable. They come from broken homes. I'll read you the stats here in a moment. And we have those stats thanks to Community Notes on Twitter, which is the fact check uh, feature on Twitter. So CNN wrote this story basically trying to contradict the facts. And, of course, it's fake news. So essentially what the CNN story said is as follows. Blacks who do live with their children are more hands-on than white parents who live with their children. So number one, that's like a totally irrelevant fact. And number two, it's very misleading, okay, as I'm going to explain. But that's totally relevant. What they're trying to do is they're trying to say, oh, why do people say that uh, African-American fathers do not live with their children? Well, we, we, we have statistics that show that African-American fathers who do live with their children are more hands-on and are actually more involved in the parenting than white parents. Okay, nobody said otherwise, but that's not the question. And it's also misleading, as I'm going to explain, because if you're going with a much smaller pool of fathers, the African-American fathers, and you're choosing the ones who are actually going against the trend and living with their children, then, yeah, they're going to be hands-on because they're the ones who, by definition, are spending more time, are choosing to be better fathers, right? Think about that. You're picking a pool. You're comparing apples to oranges, not apples to apples. So listen, I'm going to read you some quotes here. Listen to how egregiously biased this article is. Quote, Father's Day this year falls a day before Juneteenth. Okay, so CNN making a big deal out of that. 70% of black fathers who live with their children were most likely to have bathed, dressed, changed, or helped their child with the bathroom every day compared with white or Hispanic counterparts. That's according to the CDC. By the way, it's 2013. So the stats are from 2013, but okay. Uh, that, you know, CNN, for CNN, that's like updated. That's like, you know, that's like recent for CNN, 2013 data. But whites are 60%, Hispanics are 45%. So this is the big data that they're, that they're quoting over here, CNN, is that... 70% of black fathers who live with their children are most likely to bathe, dress, etc., versus 60% of whites or 45% of Hispanics. And then, quote, those black fathers were also most likely to have eaten a meal with their children, according to the data. That's CNN. It's such a bogus stat because you're going, you're choosing the fathers who are living with their children. You're comparing those fathers. Well, here's the problem. And here's what Community Notes on Twitter pointed out. Quote, the percentage of children who are living without their biological father. Black children, 64%. White children, 24%. Asian, by the way, 16%. So look, the actual data is that one and a quarter, one in four white children are living without their father. 64%, which is staggering almost two-thirds, of black children are living without their father. By the way, I feel bad for the children. Now, honestly, this is all about the children. But that's not the point. The point is that... So now, of those 35%, 36% of black fathers who are living with their children, so CNN is saying, well, they're more likely to bathe and dress and, and eat with the child than the white parents. Yeah, because 75% of white parents, fathers are living with their children, 36% uh, of black parents are living with their children. So now it's already, it's like half. The number's like half of those half who are the black fathers who are living with their children. They're very dedicated, they're devoted fathers. So they're going to be more likely, but the pool is much smaller and you're choosing, it's self-fulfilling because you're choosing the fathers who are going against the trend and say, you know what, I'm going to actually be there for my child 
which whites seem to do a lot more than blacks for whatever cultural reasons, which we're not getting into. This is not about race. By the way, it, it, this is data. This is fact. This is statistics. It's not about like racism. Well, how can you say that 24% of white children live, with, uh, live without their father and 64% of black children? I mean, the numbers don't lie. So CNN, by saying, whoa, why do, why does, why do people have this mistaken idea that uh, black children are raised without a father? Look at all these black fathers who are so involved in their children's lives. Yeah, 70%. Yeah, 70% of the ones who are already living with their children. But that's the minority. That's a huge minority. Back to CNN, quote, even when a biological father is not present, the role can be filled by other men who care about the child, an important concept in African-American culture. And then they say the media portrayals get it wrong. If data shows that black fathers are often involved in the daily care of their children, why is that story not being told? Often movies, television, and news stories about black fathers come from secondary sources, not by black fathers. As a result, the father of a black family can be portrayed as absent or not a very good dad. So then they say, well, you should actually get, it's unbelievable. So CNN, they're literally throwing the black children under the bus. They're saying, well, we just quoted you data, which is phony data. And that data says that black fathers are there for the child. So why does the media portray them as not being there? Because the black fathers are not the ones telling the story. So the story is not being told from the right perspective, from the right source, which is, it's disgraceful. This is absolutely disgraceful. I want to read you back to the CNN article, quote, given the history of racism in the U.S., some black fathers may face disproportionate incarceration rates or have difficulty in obtaining jobs to provide for their families. But such hardships are only part of the story of black fatherhood. Maybe we need to change the evidence that's available to really kind of get more representative picture for a narrative that better represents black fathers who need to emphasize who's telling the story. The Black American Dad Foundation and other groups are trying to put out stories from black fathers themselves. So again, what they're saying is, number one, well, yeah, a lot of black fathers are not there for their children. They're saying that subtly. They're saying, but that's, that's racism. That's because of racism. They're victims of racism. So it's because of the racist American culture that black fathers are not there for their children. Oh, and by the way, you know, why do we not talk about the good guys? Well, we need to tell the story from the father's perspective, not from the kid's perspective. So think about what's amazing. CNN, they're running cover for the deadbeat fathers who abandon their kids. And by the way, black, white, uh, Hispanic, I don't care, whatever race, whatever creed, I, I you know, it, it is just inexcusable, obviously, for a father to abandon a child in any way, right? So by reporting it this way and saying, oh, it's not fair, we're focusing on the kids without the fathers, we need to tell the story from the perspective of the father, what they're doing is they're defending the deadbeat father and saying, well, it's not his fault, it's because of racism, and then they're throwing the black children under the bus, which is so sad, it's so sad, and that's what the left does again and again, right? They hurt the black kids, and they end up throwing them under the bus. I mean, look at Chicago and all these black children that are constantly being shot in Chicago. Well, it, it helps advance their narrative. It doesn't help advance their narrative to protect those kids, okay? It doesn't help when, when you want to blame racism. So that doesn't help. That doesn't advance your narrative to protect the kids. So just throw the kids under the bus. That's really what's happening in this CNN story. CNN also says, by the way, that black people have more health problems than white people. And they essentially again, are, are accuse racism. Somehow health is racist. Like a, a person's health is racist. And look, I don't know if it's true or not. And I'm going to read you here some details so you understand where they're coming from. Let's assume that they're right. Let's assume that somehow blacks have worse health issues, more health issues than white people because of culture or because of where they live or any of that. Well, who do you think gets the blame who should get the blame democrats because blacks are living in democrat-run cities so if you're going to say well 
blacks have to grapple with all these health issues because of the cities they live in. Well, then you're saying by de facto, you're saying that Democrats are racist, which they are, by the way, usually. So here, let me read you here a quote about asthma. This is also CNN quote. Why do more black kids have asthma? Black children are more likely to have asthma and to be exposed to certain triggers like mold and air pollution. Their asthma is often more severe than white people. Uh, some of it's tied to genetics, but a lot of the disparity lies in the same racist factors that affect black people's health from birth to death. I'm quoting CNN. With asthma, where you live makes all the difference. Where you live often depends on your race. Blacks are more at risk of living in homes with asthma triggers like cockroaches, dust mites, mold, and rodents, and air pollution. Uh, nearly 4 in 10 black children live in areas with poor environmental and health conditions compared to 1 in 10 white children. Factories spew nitrogen oxide and particulate matter, idling trucks, freeway traffic, um, kick up noxious fumes and dust. The disparities are built into a housing system shaped by the long-standing effects of slavery and Jim Crow laws. Many communities that have substandard housing are located near toxic sites. Those are the same that were segregated and redlined decades ago. So they're saying essentially that somehow, you know, culturally and the way um, the communities were segregated back who knows when is still impacting black people now because they're exposed to all these toxins and that causes all sorts of health issues. Well, again, like I said, who's running the cities? You're basically saying the cities they live in are full of pollution and toxins and are triggering bad asthma. I have no idea if that's accurate or not. But if that is accurate, what, like, like, who are you blaming? I mean, is, is asthma racist? Asthma's not racist. So uh, it's got to be the people running the cities. All right, Mary, Mayor Eric, and I'm not saying I believe the narrative, but if CNN's narrative is accurate, then just think about the follow-through. But, of course, they're never going to actually bother to, to follow it through to its logical conclusion. Mayor Eric Adams is has been sending illegals to Florida and to Texas, busing illegals to other states. You cannot make this stuff up. One second. How ironic. Mayor Eric Adams, wasn't he the one lecturing all of us, lecturing Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis and saying, you have no right. How can you? He was outraged. How can Republicans use, treat illegals as pawns on a chessboard, put them on a bus and send them to some strange city somewhere? New York City, which begs illegals to come. New York City, which says, listen, we're going to provide you free health care, free housing, free education, et cetera. And, uh, and, and, and Governor Abbott says, that's great. Why should the illegals be in Texas and be having to work for a living when they could just go to New York City and live there for free and get, get paid to live there, basically? Eric Adams was outraged. Now Eric Adams, it turns out, has been sending illegals to Florida and to Texas. So the, can you say hypocrisy? By the way, apparently there are four illegals. I, I saw this story quoted today, four illegals living in Martha's Vineyard, and this is actually, they remained there. Remember when, I guess it was Governor Abbott, right? Was it DeSantis? Oh, boy. One of the Republican governors decided to send a busload of illegals to Martha's Vineyard to go and hang out with Barack Obama and, 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 and all those liberals and Democrats and the Kennedy grandchildren over there in Martha's Vineyard. Well, remember how outraged they were. How dare you send illegals to our backyard? Oh, yeah, we opened up the borders, and we let illegals come into Texas and into into Florida and into Arizona and New Mexico. Not a problem. Let, let it go to, to Republican areas, but we don't want them to hang out at Martha's Vineyard. We're rich. You know, we, 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 have, we live affluent lives over here. You can't put illegals in our backyard. So they sent them on a, they put them on a bus and sent them out of there like, like in, in a heartbeat. I mean, they did it quicker than you can ever imagine. Well, it seems that four illegals, women, they said, we're not getting on this bus. They snuck away and did not get placed on the bus. And they said, wow, 
this seems like a nice place. I, I guess they got some sort of job or some sort of income or something, and they're apparently still living on Martha's Vineyard. So I thought that was quite amusing. All right, two new laws have been placed, uh, have been passed in New York City. Two new woke laws, both affecting restaurants, food establishments. Restaurants are going to be fined up to $250 if they actually give customers utensils and condiments. I mean, you cannot make this stuff. It, it, it just goes from bad to worse. It's, it, it's beyond comprehension. How if a restaurant actually wants to give plasticware, plastic forks, plastic, you know, napkins, plastic uh, spoons, paper plates, cups, right, or soy sauce and ketchup packets, if they offer that to customers without the customer asking for it, then they can be fined up to $250. This is, it's despicable. The initiative is known as the Skip the Stuff Bill, aims to reduce the amount of plastic waste generated by restaurants. There's plastic everywhere. I've pointed this out before. I can't get a plastic bag in Walmart. I can't get a plastic bag in CVS. They're literally, the shelves are lined, you know, it, it, Coke bottles are plastic. And all the containers, like when you, when you go to like a pharmacy, right, and there's skin cream and shampoo and all these things, it's all plastic, plastic, plastic. I mean, even the cereal boxes, right? Cereal boxes is cardboard, and then you open it up, and there's a plastic bag that the cereal is in to keep it fresh. And everything is in plastic. But like my plastic bag, that's what's killing the environment. That's what's killing the ocean and the fish and whatever is my plastic shopping bag that would actually make it that I don't have to carry like seven. Because I don't remember to bring the bag from home. So I have to carry like seven things or I put them in the cart. You know, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to buy the reusable bag, which I would never remember again to bring to the store anyway the next time around. So I'm just carrying these things. I look foolish. Sometimes it's in a paper bag, and then that paper bag is ripping apart every which way. It's just, it's, it's insane. And I have to be looking at plastic everywhere. Everywhere you go, all these shelves, it's just plastic, plastic, plastic everywhere. But my bag, that's the one that's going to hurt the environment. So as we've seen again and again, it, it, that's, China's killing the environment, okay? India is killing the environment. North Korea, Russia, they, they are destroying the environment. But my plastic bag in Walmart, that's the thing that, that, that is the that's what's 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 wrecking our society right i mean it's unbelievable it's 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 mind-boggling literally so um anyway so these restaurants like the plastic fork if you ask for a plastic fork by the way they can give you a plastic fork like are they allowed to put up a sign because i'm never gonna again it's it's like bringing the bag to walmart right i'm not i just don't work that way i'm not i'm not wired that way so i'm not gonna remember hey can you give me a fork and a knife um to take out with me i, I don't remember to ask that so what if they put up a sign, like right there at the cash register, like, reminder, ask for fork and knife, and then they could give you, or does that count as, like, giving it because they're, like, kind of, you know, reminding me? So they're, like, triggering me to remember to ask. Is that the same? Can they get fined for that? But this is, this is ludicrous. It is truly ludicrous. All right, and meanwhile, uh, the other big law, New York City's cracking down on wood and brick ovens. And they're saying that these ovens need to be very energy efficient, wooden and brick ovens. So that's like a thing for pizza shops, but obviously matzo bakeries. This could actually be a huge issue for matzo bakeries because they're saying that they need um, a, a lot more energy efficient ovens. It's going to cost like it's going to be very costly, very expensive to buy ovens that comply, that are energy efficient. Um, it, and this does, again, virtually nothing for the climate. There are so many other issues. Ass assuming that these people are right about man-made climate change, assuming that they're right, these issues are like a tiny, minuscule, they, they, they make zero, statistically speaking, all these initiatives, 
do nothing to help the climate. When, when you statistically speaking, it, the, the difference is so minuscule that they are irrelevant. But um, but they cost a fortune, which is what the Democrats really want. They want to control our lives. And that cost is, of course, going to be passed on to the consumer. All right. Bombshell story. This is actually from CBS. We mentioned this earlier. That classified document that Trump is supposedly bragging about on a recording, admitting that he could have de de uh, declassified it and essentially then saying that, oh, Trump admits that he didn't declassify these documents. They're not even part of the indictment. Those documents are not even part of the indictment, which means this recording is irrelevant. Um, why? Because prosecutors never found the document. And by the way, what that tells me is that the document was never in Trump's possession to begin with because this recording, Trump never says, there's a lot of conjecture involved in this recording. And yeah, the recording, when you first hear it, it kind of sounds like Trump is referencing classified documents that he's looking through. But then Trump explained, told this to Brett Baer, he said, I was looking at newspaper clippings. He said, I was looking at other things. At one point he said he's looking at golf plans. Trump said, I never was holding classified documents during this conversation. And if anything, the fact that they could never, they never actually could produce and, 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 and uh, locate a document that he's supposedly bragging about on this recording in Mar-a-Lago tells me that Trump is telling the truth. So here's uh, the you know the, here are the details. This is a, a a memo about an attack on Iran, and essentially what Trump is saying is he's saying that um, Mark Milley. He's saying Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Mark Milley claimed that Trump had this whole attack plan on Iran. And Trump basically denied it and said, no, I, this was not my attack plan on Iran. Mark Milley gave me the, uh, you know, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. They gave me a proposal uh, outlining a potential attack against Iran. So this wasn't my document. This was their document. So that's what the debate is about, is that they made it seem like Trump was ready to attack Iran. And Trump said, no, that was Milley who wanted to attack Iran, not me. So Trump is joking about this in this recording. It was like from 2021. And he's basically saying, oh, yeah, listen, this is really classified stuff. I could have declassified it as president. I'll read you the quote here. I have it here. Uh, the, the president is talking about a highly confidential and secret, um, not clear document. See, the way CBS reports it, it's very misleading. They make it sound like it's a document. But he never talks about a document. He says this is highly confidential and it's secret. And he's holding papers. But he, he's, he's, according to what he told Brett Barron Fox, he's referring to the plan. The plan was highly confidential, but he says he was just reading newspaper clippings that made reference to the plan. When you listen to the recording carefully, that that totally jives. Trump's version of this totally jives with the recording. So the, it, we never have any proof in the record. By the way, a recording like this, the fact that Trump happens to be having a conversation, doesn't always being recorded and make some kind of comment about, oh, yeah, I could have declassified it, but I didn't. And then laughs like he, he may be making a joke. It's totally out of context. We don't know. Like like the, the fact that that recording is the is all is all they've got is pathetic. You cannot. You cannot use that as evidence in any way, in my opinion. It's 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 just completely, completely, it could be interpreted 18 million different ways. But let me read you the CBS version of this quote. In the recording, the president can be heard apparently showing and discussing what he described as highly, highly confidential secret documents with AIDS. Sources say the documents were related to plans for a potential attack on Iran. Quote, it's like highly confidential secret. And I listened to the recording. This is what it says. This is secret information. Look, look at this. As president, I could have declassified, but now I can't. Isn't that interesting? It's so cool. So th that's a quote from uh, CBS. And CBS also, they say, quote here, they say, um, the Defense Department memo is not part of the 31 counts of retention of national defense information. Um, and then they say that Trump was showing them classified documents in the, in the recording. He, we have no idea. Trump says, I was showing them 
golf plans. Trump says I was showing them newspaper clippings. He, he Maybe he doesn't even remember, which is fine. He doesn't have to remember every conversation that he ever had. But that's not the point. The point is that it's very possible that he's that he's showing them a newspaper story. We all oh, look at this. Millie actually uh, had a plan to attack Iran and then he blamed it on me. But that's not really what happened. What happened was they proposed to attack Iran first and then gave me the, the plan. And by the way, this is very classified. Ha ha ha. I could have declassified it, but now it's too late. Maybe he's referring to the plans were declassified and that he's not allowed to discuss it because he never declassified it. But they're making it as though, oh, this recording, it is he's caught red handed. I mean, this is irrefutable evidence because Trump is showing them papers that are classified and says these are classified. I could have declassified them, but I didn't. Ha ha ha. Not true. If you listen to the recording carefully, Trump's version is, listen, I was talking about a newspaper story. And that story reminded me because that story was talking about them claiming that I had this whole plan to attack Iran. And that's not really true. Millie's the one with the plan to attack Iran. And when I'm telling them that, I'm telling them, by the way, this was confidential. So I wasn't really allowed to discuss it. It was classified and I didn't declassify that plan. But 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 there is no zero. There is zero insinuation or zero evidence whatsoever that he actually took that document of the plan to attack Iran, that memo, that Defense Department memo, to Mar-a-Lago. There is zero evidence to suggest that. And to me, there's a mountain of evidence that he did not be, because they didn't find it. OK, and we know that they found uh, they, 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 they literally took dozens of boxes. They took hundreds and hundreds, thousands of documents. A few of them were classified, but thousands of documents uh, from from Trump and Mar-a-Lago. And if they could not produce this one, then that to me is an exoneration right there. So if you listen to the recording without any preconceived notion, there literally is no evidence of what he is looking at. Totally not incriminating. But again, it's about the optics. Why did this leak? This should never. How can we have no leaks about the Biden? We have the Hunter Biden investigation going for five years. No leak, except that they finally found the laptop thanks to Giuliani. And uh, Hunter actually left the laptop at a repair shop and never came back to get it. We have no leaks in the Biden in, 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 in the investigation into Biden. In fact, not only is there not a leak, but do you realize how much Congress had to pressure in order just to get to look at that document that shows that, you know, that that uh, alleges that Joe Biden was paid millions of dollars by, by Burisma. Right. We had to push so hard to get it. But like these things about recordings of Trump literally being leaked to the media. Why? Because it's all about the optics. It's all political theater. It's designed to make Trump look guilty. And even though he's not guilty, but they don't care because they're trying to make him look guilty in, in in the public eye. And they're trying to give the media fodder to just constantly hammer away at Trump again and again. All right. Hunter Biden got millions of dollars from foreign entities, never filed taxes, finally eventually paid a million dollars worth of taxes. Years later, he compromised the national security by selling allegedly selling access to his father as VP he lied on a gun license application. I mean, there are just so many crimes here that Hunter Biden committed. He did not declare himself a foreign lobbyist, which is a violation of NARA, uh, which, which of course, Paul Manafort is sitting for jail, in jail for years for that exact crime. And by the way, Hunter Biden is a drug addict, degenerate creep, but he got this great plea bargain deal, but it has nothing to do with the fact that his name is Biden. Am I, am I supposed to believe that, right? That Hunter Biden got treated fairly by the justice system after five years, five years of investigations, and this is what we get. I mean, and the double standard is beyond egregious. It's not a two-tiered system of justice, okay? Let me explain why. Because two-tiered system of justice, that implies that Trump is guilty and Hunter is guilty. This is very important. Two-tiered system of justice, that implies, look, they're equal. Trump is guilty, Hunter's guilty, but Hunter gets away with it because he's a Democrat. Trump 
does not get away with it because he's Trump. That's the two-tiered system of justice. It's much worse than that. It's, it's not a two-tiered system of justice. There is zero justice. It's totally twisted because Hunter, who's guilty, and Joe Biden, who allegedly is, is just so corrupt and so guilty, and yet they just walk away. They get totally, you know, they get, they get not even a slap on the wrist. And yet Trump, they make things up about because he's such a threat, because he is so dangerous to the establishment, because he's actually one of the few people who has the courage to do the right thing and take on the people in power. So they they make stuff up about Trump. So it's not two-tier system of justice. It's Trump they make stuff up about, up about because they need to destroy him. And even many Republicans are on board with that and have no problem with that. Here And here's another issue, is that unlike Trump, assuming that all the, the, the allegations against Trump would be true, assuming the indictments would all be valid against Trump, which they're not, he's still not a threat. He still did nothing wrong in terms of national security, Hunter Biden, I don't think Trump did anything wrong, but even if you want to give me the Alvin Bragg bogus indictment and the bogus indictment about the documents of Mar-a-Lago, he's not any sort of threat to national security. He didn't do anything wrong, as opposed to Hunter, who literally was the son of the VP, now is the son of the president, who's selling access to our enemies, to his father, for millions of dollars, in addition to all the other crimes. Hunter Biden is a real threat to national security, and that gets totally lost in this. It's not even about accountability of Hunter Biden. It's about protecting the, U the, the the USA. It's about protecting the country from this massive threat, which is the Biden crime family, unlike President Trump, who kept his, you know, kept some documents in a sock drawer. And by the way, I'm so tired of pseudo conservatives who suddenly wake up and they complain about our two tiered system of justice, as they call it. Back in 2020, we said the laptop was real. We knew it was real. Twitter, Twitter censored the story. Facebook censored the story. And you had these 51 Intel officials say, oh, this is Russian disinformation. And uh, what did these pseudo-conservatives say? They say, well, let's wait and see. Let's see how it all plays out. Maybe it really is Russian disinformation. How do we know the laptop's authentic? They don't apologize. They don't retract, right? When we said the election was rigged, they said, let's wait and see. We called the Mueller probe a hoax. We talked about the deep state. They said, let's wait and see. Let's see how it all plays out. So it doesn't help. Now they wake up. They always wake up two years after the fact. And Gestetner made this point multiple times. Let it play out. Let it play out. And they always wake up two years after the fact. It's not like now they're saying, oh, you know what? The lab leak theory is real. Oh, you know what? Now they're saying all the other scandals that are going on, those are real. That also, they say, let's play it out. Let's play it out. And then two years from now, oh, by the way, you were really right. They're worse than Biden. The pseudo-conservatives are worse than the Democrats because they are the enablers. All right. And meanwhile, we now have confirmation that a WhatsApp text message that was sent by Hunter Biden to, to a Chinese executive demanding payment the text message, Hunter says he's with his father. This is a bombshell that Hunter actually says he's with his father in this text message. And we now have confirmation that this text message is genuine because Hunter's lawyer admitted that this is genuine. So this is, I can't, this is indescribably big, this story. This story is huge. This is an earthquake. Um, however, Trump's lawyer, uh, Biden, Hunter Biden's lawyer says, ignore the text because Hunter was addicted to cocaine at the time. So just ignore the text message. It's really unbelievable. All right. So um, saying I have more more allegations here against Hunter that I wanted to list to you. But uh, let's go. Let me try to find this detail about the text message. Hunter Biden's lawyer, Chris Clark, um, who, by the way, said, oh, the case against Hunter Biden is now resolved, even though there's officially an ongoing investigation. But they're saying, oh, it's resolved now. It's over, even though Hunter ha has no felonies charged against him. The whole thing is just going to be a plea deal with misdemeanors. 
I'll get back to more details about the Hunter Biden plea bargain shortly. Sorry, we're a little bit disjointed here, a little out of order. You know, we're rusty. After all, it's been a few days since we've done a show. But the Hunter's lawyer confirmed that the text message is authentic. It's extremely incriminating. But he says don't rely on Hunter's text message from back in 2017 because he was too addicted to cocaine at the time. It's unbelievable. Um, on June 30th, July 30th, 2017, Hunter sent a text message to uh, an official with the CEFC Chinese Energy uh, conglomerate. He threatened, he said that he, Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden would come down on him, meaning on this Chinese executive, with their full weight if he did not fulfill his commitment. Okay, so he's literally saying in the text message, he says, here, here's the quote from the text message, quote, we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father. This is 2017. Hunter is threatening this Chinese executive saying, why have you not fulfilled your commitment? I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Okay, now, Chris Clark, Hunter's attorney, he says, yeah, this is authentic. This is a real text. It's genuine. But you cannot rely on it. He said, quote, Hunter was in the midst of a horrible addiction, and therefore he had no connection to anyone in his family. He's trying to protect Joe Biden. What he's doing here is he's trying to protect Joe Biden because, because we know that Joe has repeatedly said he had no involvement in Hunter's business dealings. Well, it turns out that Hunter and Joe Biden are sitting there together in 2017 threatening a Chinese businessman, hey, fulfill your end of the commitment, which is what? Give the money to the big guy. Give the millions to the big guy. By the way, that, that deal that Hunter made with China he literally flew on Air Force Two with his father on a trip to China back when his father was VP. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable when you weave it all together over here. And IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley told the House Ways and Means Committee federal prosecutors blocked their attempts to confirm the location of Joe and Hunter Biden on that date that the message was sent, the threat was sent on WhatsApp, but photos from Hunter's laptop place him at his father's house the day that he sent the message. That's according to the Washington Free Beacon. I do want to read you a quote from Ben Shapiro about the Hunter plea deal. Quote, if you did not pay your taxes to the tune of $1.2 million and also signed a federal gun form stating you were not a drug addict while being a crack addict, you, you also would probably get a sweet plea deal if you were the president's son. Why look, a plea deal that involves no jail time, a plea deal that involves no felony charges on willfully not filing millions in income, no charges for not filing under FARA, which is you have to file as a foreign agent, public corruption as reportedly documented in a laptop. Meanwhile, local... Democrat D.A. turned an immaterial possible misdemeanor into 34 felonies against Trump. And just to read you a little bit more here about Hunter. Um, as we said, he did not pay taxes on the millions he made from foreign sources. Then he belatedly coughed up a million dollars to pay off his tax liability in 2021 years after the fact. Who knows if that even covers all that he owed as um as prosecutors wait an indictment, they consider charging Hunter with two misdemeanors um, and a single felony of tax evasion. But part of the plea deal says that they're not charging him with a felony. Well, isn't that convenient? Hunter will plead guilty to the two misdemeanor charges. Uh, and there is one felony, but that's a that, that that's a fake felony because he's actually going to get that uh, removed. Uh, part of the deal is that he's going to get that felony expunged. Uh, as far as the gun thing, like we said, he was addicted to drugs, but he lied about it on an application for a gun license. And that also should be a, a clear-cut conviction, but he's actually going to not plead guilty to that, and he's going to get off and exonerated on that charge. So it's just unbelievable. As I said, never declared himself a foreign lobbyist. Paul Manafort in jail for the same crime. Five years of investigations, two whistleblowers who say the system is rigged and Merrick Garland would not allow 
indictments against Hunter Biden and a controlled demolition of the scandal has taken place. Like I said, Hunter pled guilty to two misdemeanors, minor tax violations, no jail time and a pretend felony that will evaporate once Hunter completes a diversion program, which is totally bogus because it's not about his addiction to drugs. It's about his massive, massive, massive uncontrolled corruption. Um, all right. Finally, let's end on a lighter note here. Elon Musk has challenged President Biden's social media team to give him the password to his own Twitter account. Elon Musk says, let the president, let Biden tweet for himself. And you got to love this. And it's it's true. It's ridiculous. A lot of these politicians, they do not tweet themselves. So we have no idea. They, they, they have it written and reviewed by like 17 teams and they take polls to see what the response will be. And it's just unbelievable. So Elon Musk says, just hit tweet. Let, let, let the man tweet. Uh, he, he said, quote, uh, what, what happened was Biden, President Biden tweeted something from his personal account. Again, it's not him, but whoever his his handlers are. Quote, it's about time the super wealthy start paying their fair share. So Elon Musk never likes that because he he like pays more taxes than like the rest of the country combined. So uh, Musk responded. He said, quote, he said, please give him the password so he can do his own tweets. Please, I'm begging you. <laughs> Musk said in response to Biden's tweets. Oh, you got to love that. Elon Musk is so much fun. That's going to do it for today. And we will see you next time.